The future is a hefty responsibility and not one that we take lightly. But then taking things lightly has never been what hefty is about. That's why we've created the Hefty Renew program that turns hard to recycle plastics into valuable resources like park benches and building materials. To participate, simply fill up an orange Hefty Renew bag with accepted items, tie it up, and drop it in with your regular recycling. That's it. It's that easy. It's time to rethink recycling with Renew. Particular valued resources may vary by geography. More info available at heftyrenew.com. You're listening to the Best Morning Routine Ever podcast, the show that proves no one stumbles upon success ever. With your host, Lou Need. Every Mondays and Thursdays, we deliver cold heart evidence behind the power of a robust morning routine. Get ready to be transformed by the renewal of your mind. Hello, morning enthusiasts. Welcome to the Best Morning Routine Ever podcast. I am your host, Dr. Lunid, and today I have another scholar in the house, Dr. Heather Hosenblast. She is a health psychology expert, international award-winning scientist, public speaker, and a best-selling author. She has published seven books, all right, and tons and tons of peer reviews uh, articles as a psychology, and her research focuses on how healthy habits affect our well-being. How fitting. I mean, she, it's pretty amazing. She has been featured in magazines, the um, Women's World, Self, Real Simple, the Oprah Magazine, to name a few. So, you know, I'm excited to chat and get in this with her. Dr. Heather, welcome to the show. Thank you so much for having me. Excited to be here. It is my pleasure. I was saying um, right before we started, you are well decorated. You're a well decorated woman. And <laughs> let's talk about was psychology always a thing for you or did you just change to it later on? Did you know from onset that's what you wanted to study? I, you know what? I did at an early age. I love watching people, love behavior. And I kind of coupled it when I went to school in my undergrad and then my uh, graduate work and my PhD work where I combined the two and got an, it was a fairly new field at the time of exercise and health psychology, kind of studying the psychological effects of movement, you know, what happens to people psychologically when they exercise? How do they feel? Why do most people not, you know, exercise? And can some people exercise too much and become addicted to it? So I really began to study, you know, focusing on exercise and then began to branch out into other health behaviors like diet and sleep and supplementation and how we can really form healthy habits that are science-based. Wow. Okay. That's impressive. Now you got me intrigued about the exercise aspect of it. <laughs> Let, let's talk about the, the science behind exercise. Can can people be addicted to it? I know I am. Um, yeah, let, let's start there. Yeah, it's an interesting area because, you know, it, when we began to take a look at it, we were taking like the whole spectrum. Most people don't exercise. About 80% of people don't meet the exercise, the exercise guidelines. So typically we're more interested in how we can get these people who don't exercise enough to exercise more because mm -hmm. it's such an important thing for their health. In fact, it's probably one of the most uh, most important things that we can do, um, do for overall health. So we decided to say, well, what happens if, can someone actually exercise too much? Maybe become an excessive exerciser and maybe become addicted to it. So we began to take a look at, take a look at this. And some people would say, well, it's a positive addiction because exercise is good for you. So if you're doing it a lot, then that's, that's going to be even better for your health. But what we found and other researchers as well is that there, there is a point where, too much exercise is not good for your health and it can potentially turn into an addiction. Although it's not 
directly recognized as, as a formal addiction. It is recognized that it's a, there's a behavioral component to it and probably mm-hmm. as more research mounts, it'll actually be a formal behavioral addiction. But yes, what we find is that people who um, engage in excessive exercise um, and what that is, is typically exercising a whole heck of a lot and kind of some of the telltale signs are if someone's going to exercise through being injured. So for example, if someone has Mm -hmm. some type of an injury, but yet they can't stop exercising and they will exercise through, through the pain. And despite what their medical doctors, medical doctors state, most of us know that if we're injured, we're going to take some time off or if we're a little bit sore, we overtrain, we'll take some time off. Someone who's um, addicted exercise cannot, and they spend a huge amount of time exercising. It encompasses most of their day. And for some people, it can even become expensive. We interviewed one person for a study we were doing who said that it became expensive for him because he bought three different gym memberships. He'd exercise <laughs> one gym in the morning, one gym in the afternoon, and one gym in the evening. And the reason why he did this is that he knew he was exercising too much and he didn't want these gyms to know how much. So he did this. So does it affect a lot of people? No, typically we're more concerned with trying to get people to exercise more, but there is a small fraction of people that do take it, do take it to an extreme. And the point is that, yeah, even healthy behaviors can turn negative if you're doing it too much and it becomes all consuming. Hmm. Yeah, I, I guess I'm not at that level <laughs> of addiction, but it sounds like real addiction symptoms that is taking place. Well, because I heard some shame there, right? That she didn't want to work out in the same gym because they want people perceiving and working out too much, and they want to be uh, be looked at in that way. So those some some triggers. What about the some of the you know, like heroin, the addiction, the high that happens. Let's talk about some of the, um, not just benefits, but like psychologically what happens to the brain when we do work out. Yeah. So even for regular exercises, it's really, really well documented that after you exercise, you're going to feel better. You're going to report being in a better mood. You're going to report less anxiety, less tension, less, you know, depression. And you'll also report that you even have more more energy and you're happier. So there's all these positive kind of mood effects from even just one single, you know, exercise session, you know, even if it's 15, 20 minutes, 20 minutes long. But what happens when if someone becomes exercise addicted or excessively exercising, they, they take that to an extreme where they will feel like what we call almost withdrawal symptoms. If they're not yeah. able to exercise, they're going to experience, you know, extreme anxiety, extreme negative mood states. So they may be exercising to try to relieve that or to try to get that, try to get that feeling afterwards. And all of us are going to experience these positive, you know, mood, mood effects, even regular exercisers, because I'm a regular exerciser and I can tell on days that I don't exercise, mm-hmm. um, it affects my mood and it affects my energy level, but not to a level, right. That I'm craving it and it becomes all consuming and I'm giving up, you know, family and work obligations so that I can actually get my exercise, you know, get my exercise in for the day. Mm. Yeah, it's in a lot of the time we move towards exercising is as a way to reduce stress. That, that's how I tie the habit. I feel stress instead of grabbing a glass of, of wine or um, bench eating, I will go for a walk or I will go for a run. So tell us some, some ways that um, people can reduce stress and using activity. Yeah, I mean, it, uh, you know, exercising is was one, you know, one great way to reduce our stress and reduce, reduce our anxiety. And it really, it's important for people to know that 
It doesn't need to be, you know, an hour long going to the Mm -hmm. gym. It's as simple as even, you know, some of the science is showing even a few minutes has these positive kind of mood boosting effects and anxiety reducing effects. And what I tell people is do what you like, because if you don't like it, you're not going to stick with it. And it may even provoke more anxiety, which is we find with certain individuals. So if you don't like exercising at a gym, don't go and do it at a gym. If you want to work out at your house, like on a Peloton or putting on, you know, a YouTube video that then do that because you need to like it and you need to feel good about it. And then you're more likely to, you know, you're more likely to, to stick with it. So I think those are really, you know, really important things for people to do and know that you're going to feel better. Even the simple fact of standing more and doing a little bit of fidgeting can even help people. Yeah, that is good. It does help. And for some building the habit, you know, you know a lot about uh, um, habit building here in this space for you got to start small and you got to start with the end goal. People say start with the end goal, but start at the beginning, the starting line, right? Like starting small, putting your shoes on one day and then stepping outside and then trying again the next day and actually going to the mailbox and back out. I mean, that's really, it, it sounds so minute, but that is training the brain. Let's talk about the how the brain then gets wired when you are setting and you are putting a new habit in place. Yeah, I think it's important. You make a, a really good point, right? It's oftentimes these small little things that we do. Um, and we build upon them to create, you know, create that habit. And for people to have whatever it may be, become a habit, let's say they want to drink, you know, a glass of water every morning when they, you know, when they wake up and they'll say, well, how long does it take for, for me to be doing this on a daily basis before it becomes a habit? On average, it takes about two months. The, the research says, one study said 66 days for something to become a habit. Now, with that being said, there's big variability. For some people, it only took them 18 days or something to become a habit. For other people, it took almost 250 days. So people need to realize that they need to stick with it. I think a really good thing for people to do is to track, track, keep a journal and and realize, you know what? It's okay to miss a day or two or three of something that you're trying to do. But what's most important is that you jump back on after you've missed a couple of days. I see so many people who, you know, set their New Year's resolutions and then by January 15th, they've given up on it because they've missed a day and they say, oh, forget it. I'm going to wait till, you know, I'm going to wait till now till January 2024. And I'm like, well, that's not a good idea. You know, we, we've got to build on, on what we do and make things solidified so that we're almost, you know, for some of these things, almost doing it at an unconscious level and it becomes part of our day. Mm-hmm. And that the tracking piece is is important. And I'm um, curious to see the tie because just checking like a to-do list, right? Just checking things off releases serotonin for me, makes me really happy to tick things off my, my list. And tracking um, provides that same benefit. I know when setting a habit, like cross, put a calendar together, put all your days and then crossing off each day that you've accomplished, you know, that X or that check shows you progress. It shows you're moving forward because really... The thing about goals that makes us happy, right, and you can agree, attest to this, is the process. It's the journey. It's the the step-by-step of getting there to the end goal that makes makes us all accomplish and, and who we become, right? We change um, during that duration of uh, attaining a goal. Exactly. Yeah. Tell us about, we, we talk about tracking and journaling, you mentioned as a healthy tool, Let's talk about journaling. It isn't expensive. It is easy. There's gratitude journal. I know I do gratitude journal. Let's talk about how helpful that is in um, our well-being. 
Yeah, you know, and I, I like what you meant, you know, it's something that's simple and easy. And I'm always looking for these simple, easy kind of science-based things that people can do to, to improve their health. It doesn't take a lot of time. It doesn't cost a lot of money. There are many different types of, you know, if you wanted to get a guided journal, you could go on Amazon and find, you know, many different types based on mm-hmm. what you want to, let's say, improve or what you want to, what you want to track. And gratitude journals are really, really uh, popular right now. And you don't even need to go and buy a journal. You could as, as simple, you know, in the morning, you know, wake up and on a piece of paper, you could write out, let's say a couple of things that you're, that you're thankful for. What we do know is that whole fact, especially with, with gratitude journaling and writing down or expressing a few things that you're thankful for. And sometimes it could be really simple things. Like let's say you're thankful for your morning cup of coffee, or sometimes it could be something, you know, really, really deep, you know, but find a few things. And we know by doing that, it actually you know, changes people's intentions for the day, puts them in a better mm-hmm. mood. And actually, which I think is fascinating, makes them more productive during the day yeah. as well. So there's a lot of, lot of benefits towards it. And it's not just, you know, gratitude that we need to, you know, should be tracking. But, you know, if you wanted to track your, your exercise or your sleep or, or what you're eating, or let's say your anxiety, kind of write your worries away, for example. And these are just simple little tools that people can, people can do. It doesn't take a lot of time that can have some big health benefits. Long-term benefits. Yeah, definitely agree with that. Gratitude journal, gratitude and gratitude journaling. Gives, it shows you more things to be grateful for. Uh, it, it, it opens your eyes, the intention, as you, as you mentioned, and it doesn't have to be big. I don't think the brain knows the difference, whether I'm grateful and thankful for my bed versus I'm grateful and thankful for world peace. You know, <laughs> it, it, it doesn't have to be to the magnitude of like, oh, this, it has to be big. I have to think of something very profound. Because like, as you said, a glass of water, clean water is, is enough to get the brain going. Mm-hmm. Let's talk about your morning routine. How do you get up, dress up and show up? (laughs) Well, I'm a morning person, so I do love my mornings. I try to wake up at about the same time every day, which I think is really, really important from a health standpoint to try to go to bed at about the same time every day and wake up at about the same time. Try to wake up without waking up at five. I wake up around five. Yeah, around five. And one of the first, this might sound a little unusual. One of the first things that I do is I put on a a facial mask. I make this bentonite clay, you know, face mask, put it on my face, go downstairs, um, have a glass of water. And then I make my morning coffee. And then I start actually to do my journaling where I express my gratitude. And then I go over my, my tasks for the day, which I usually do the night before. So kind of to get my mind like framed for, okay, what do I have to accomplish today? How am I going to go about and do this? I then take my mask off. My face feels super, super clean. And I go and I exercise and, um, Hmm. And I like to kind of have this routine. I like to do my exercise, you know, first thing in the morning, I meet a friend. And so I get that social, social contact and I get it. And I don't want to say I get it out of the way, but in a sense I do, because I feel mm-hmm. that if I wait and try to do it later on during the day, I feel like my day just gets in the way and it becomes more difficult. So it's kind of my time that I really, really value. And it honestly, it sets my day off on the right track. Cause then after I'm finished with exercising, not only have I, you know, met a friend, but I, I feel like I've accomplished something. Yeah. I have more energy and I'm in a good mood. And then I really feel that I could get my day, my, my day started. So that is pretty much my, my routine, uh, whether it's during the week or also on the weekends as well. You keep it consistent. 
I do. I think it's really important. We we have this, you know, often, you know, we think, okay, it's the weekend. I'm going to stay up later. I'm going to sleep in and stuff. But it, it's important from a health standpoint to try as much as possible to try to go to bed at about the same time every night and wake up at about the same time every morning. Now, if you have to choose between one, because sometimes let's say you'll say, well, if I stayed up later, can I sleep in? Probably what you want to do is no matter what time you went to bed, try to wake up at about the same time in the morning because it resets your circadian rhythm and it's important for your, you know, important for your overall health to help to do that. And it will make you tired early so you could go back to that bedtime routine. Exactly. Um, to go into bed earlier. Yeah. You know, there, there's real power in getting adequate sleep because the morning routine starts the night before. You have to prepare yourself. Um, you have to get enough sleep so that you can wake up um, at those that hour to work out and kind of get your day started. I agree a hundred percent. I'm a early riser myself and working out in the morning is non-negotiable. I need it. I find I have more energy when, when doing it, but just like you, I'm with a baby in the house and running a business uh, family. It does get away. The day gets away from you. You can't find the time to fit it in. You have to be intentional about scheduling it in though. <laughs> Agreed. That's important. Um, Dr. Heather, tell us where to find you. How can we connect with you? Yeah. Um, you know, I'm on I'm on LinkedIn and Instagram and also through my company, Wellness Discovery Labs, where I do science-based health wellness um, research and writing. Very nice. Thank you for sharing. We love quotes here at the Best Morning Routine Ever. So give us one quote before you leave. Oh, goodness. There, there's so many that I could choose from. But the one that, you know, that I think about is the fact of never, you know, never give up. And it might sound a little, little corny and stuff. But I think that, you know, when we're trying to create these health habits, you know, we don't stick with it long enough. And the first obstacle, we say, well, forget it. So I think it's really important for people to stick to something. Even if you miss a couple of days, it's okay. Jump back on because really our health and our wellness and our energy is it's a journey and it's a process and we're going to hit bumps in the road. Yes. And don't give up as simple as it that is, but it's true. Thank you so much for sharing and coming on the show today. Really appreciate it. Thank you so much. And thank you for everything you do. Yes. All right, morning enthusiasts. That's it for today's show. Thank you for tuning in. If you love the best morning routine ever podcast, we'd love to hear from you. So go ahead and subscribe, rate, and give a review on iTunes or Google Play. While you're at it, tell a friend about the show. Be sure to visit bestmorningroutineever.com and our Facebook group to join the conversation, access the show notes, and discover our fantastic free bonus content. Until next time.